0: you don't back that up with creating habitual change then you will go back to your old neurology you will go back to your old beliefs you will regress back to the the way you were before so yes, you can have transformational moments, but then you also need to back that up with some consistent incremental change.
1: Welcome to the My Future Business Show, where we get you in front of your best audience and keep you there. Not only are we interviewing the biggest names in business to help you become even more successful, we're inviting you to book your spot on the show to help you grow your business. So at the end of the call, make sure you fill in the interview application format, myfuturebusiness.com forward slash interviews. Hello and welcome back to the show. My name is Rick Nusky. I'm your host. It's wonderful to have you here. You know what today, I think I am the luckiest person alive, not only because I'm the host, but because we get to share some incredible insights some sage advice from those in the know that are making uh, headway uh, in their business doing incredible things. And today's no different because I have the pleasure of welcoming coach, facilitator, author and TEDx speaker, Mr. Jim Fuller to the show. Welcome to the show. rick thanks very much for having me on absolutely my pleasure now you and i were just talking about uh where you used to live and what you're now doing and you know entering the second half of our life which was where i guess we start to think about things maybe a little bit differently and love to talk a little bit uh, more about that at, at some length but uh The priority of the call really is how we can become more functional human beings and how we can use our innate skills and abilities to collaborate effectively and create outstanding results for the greater good. Now, I've taken that from literature that you provided, and I'd love for you in a moment to, I guess, extract the goodness out of that and tell us what that means. But before we do that, where are you calling in from today, Jim?
0: Mate, I'm calling in from home. I live in a little town called Belbray, which is Um, right next to Bell's beach. Most people would have heard of Bell's beach, Oh yeah. the surfing spot down on the great ocean road. I'm Mm -hmm. on a 300 acre sheep farm and we don't run the the sheep here. There's a farmer who comes up and and runs (laughs) all the sheep, but we get the benefit of living on this beautiful big property with ocean views. So that's where I'm calling you from.
1: I can only imagine. Now tell me that you've gone out and, and ridden a few waves there.
0: Oh, absolutely. Not today. I just had a look at the surf report and it's flat. Oh. Um, but that's okay. That's there's okay. All, there's always going to be more waves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And is that your only thing you enjoy doing in your pastime, Jim?
0: No, 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 no. It's not the only thing. Um, I've actually, I, last birthday was my 50th and, and my partner rallied together a bunch of mates and they all got me quite a nice mountain bike. Oh. And, um, and I've been really enjoying mountain biking. And the surf gets pretty competitive. I don't know if you surf. Oh yeah, you've yeah, got it. Yeah. There's lots of people trying to get the same wave. Oh yeah. And I'm not particularly good, so there's <laughs> usually somebody better than me already on the wave. <laughs> it can get a bit frustrating. I mean, I love being in the ocean, but you know, if I'm out there for an hour, I'm lucky to get one or two waves, whereas mountain bike riding, there's nobody on the wave. The trails are there to share and yeah. and I've I've been really enjoying it. So I get my nature fix. I'm a I'm a big nature lover. Um, I get, you know, get the heart rate up and and the body moving, which is fantastic and the adrenaline because it's fun and, you know, Yeah. um, so yeah, so mountain biking has been good. We love camping. Um, We spend a lot of time camping and my partner and I love hiking and trekking and we've managed to find a way to work that into our businesses. We run retreats in the Himalaya prior to restrictions, obviously, Mm -hmm. and, and we will get them up and running again soon. But yeah, we take people on wonderful leadership retreats in the remote Himalayan mountains and the jungle of Bali and that. So we've managed to weave the things, the, the, the love interests into the work that we do as well.
1: I think that's critically important to do what you enjoy because, you know, life is not a dress rehearsal, is it, Chairman? I, I wonder, you know, um, at the end of your days, you know, what's the legacy you'd like to leave behind given all the wonderful work that you're doing?
0: Yeah, look, I, I think the legacy that that we leave behind we're kidding we're kidding ourselves if we think we're going to be remembered Mm. in terms of our name Mm. so it's not about that i mean if you think about it like this rick you probably know the names of your four grandparents i'm presuming but i I don't know whether you would know the whole all eight names of your great grandparents most people don't and the point of that is that your grandkids kids won't know who you are or who you were um so To have this idea of, I want Jem Fuller, the the person or the name to be remembered is kind of foolish and egotistical. So when you ask about legacy, um, well, most immediately and closest to my heart is my teenage boys. And, you know, I would hope that the way I raise them puts them in good stead to be kind you know, people who who also want to do something good for -hmm. for beyond themselves. And then that would flow onto their children and their children and their children. So legacy in terms of lineage would be lovely, but also more globally for me, I do have my set, my sights set pretty high. And um, you know, I've just published my first book, which I'm I'm getting really lovely feedback from now from strangers, people who don't know me who are reaching out and saying, thank you so much for writing this book. It's really helping me. So my books hopefully will will leave some sort of legacy and continue to help people beyond me being around that'd be nice yep um, absolutely yeah things like that things yeah. like that
1: i do appreciate this it gives some great context for the core of the call that we'll jump into it momentarily mm. now just winding back uh, a few steps um when you go bike riding you're in the moment you're living in the now as it were do you yeah. stop and just breathe and how important is quietness and breath to you
0: are completely important. I certainly stop and breathe when I'm trying to get up the hills. <laughs> 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 yeah, yeah. I, and I might even say to my mates, "I'm just taking a mindful moment." <laughs> Rubbish. <Right.
1: laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah,
0: yeah. Um, no, to your point, it, it, absolutely. In fact, I've um, I've created a habit throughout the day, and I call them pause moments. And I, I was inspired to create this habit. Uh, in 2014, I was at the Global Mindful Leader Forum in Sydney. And, you know, there were some of the most inspirational world leaders were there. And the theme of the conference was around mindfulness and how we can incorporate that as leaders. Mm-hmm. One of the keynote speakers got up and, and it was just the right time for me to hear this man speak. Two of the things he said really landed with me. Mm-hmm. One of them was know the work. He was talking about meditation, know the work. But what really stuck with me was he said, do the work. Yes, And that, that landed with me because I've always dallied with meditation and mindfulness meditation. And in 2014, I was a year into my coaching practice and I was prescribing it, so to speak. I was suggesting to my clients that they meditate, but I didn't have a regular Habitual practice, and I thought, Jem you've got to step up and do this if, if to have any authenticity. So, in two thousand and fourteen, I started a daily practice of mindfulness meditation, which has now become habitual. But the other thing that this guy said was, "Pause often," and I went, "Wow!" And he said, "That's all he said: pause often." I thought, "How can I take that? What can I do with that?" So, I took little post-it notes and I stuck them around the house in places where I had habitual practices going on already anyway. So for example, brushing my teeth, I stuck Mm -hmm. a little note there saying pause. Uh, My coffee machine, I I love the ritual of making a coffee in the morning. I put a little sticky note there saying "Pause." pause. And so I linked the new habit with the existing habits, creating a neural association. Now I don't have the sticky notes anywhere but there's certain actions that I take throughout the day that remind me to pause. And these little pause moments are short, you know, just a few seconds, take a breath, Mm -hmm. just notice what you can notice in the moment. They've become like little recalibrations back to my center, you know, back to my place of equanimity. And Rick, I, I share this with all of my clients and I say, look, I know it seems too simple and too small to make a big difference, but these little 1% habitual Actions that we create over the longer term can be game-changing. Um, so yes, I do pause and, yes. and, and breathe often.
1: Oh, we we're talking about habit, obviously, and I'd love to um, give a perspective for the listener um, what a day includes for you. First of all, are you an early riser, and what happens after that point?
0: Yeah. Look, I, I I'm not a ridiculously early riser by nature. So my body clock would normally used to I'm, I'm seven weeks into creating new habits. Mm. Um, my body clock normally would wake me at about seven. You know, I've got teenage boys that need to get off to the bus and get off to school, and, of et cetera, but I'm naturally reasonably normal. I'm not one of these people that would love to sleep until 10. I can't do that. My Can body's awake yep. at the moment. I'm pushing it further. I'm pushing it a bit earlier and I'm creating new habit. Um, so i've been like i said i've been meditating for 20 minutes most mornings for since 2014. now i've um, upped the, the the habitual practice in the morning so my, my day usually starts at either 5:30 or 6. Mm-hmm. i'll meditate for half an hour then i do five to ten minutes of affirmations yep um and I used to think affirmations were just a, a kind of woo-woo, woo-woo. Yep. He-y thing to do, but mm. now I understand the neuroscience no, no, no. behind them, yeah. so I do them with more fervor. Mm-hmm. So five to ten minutes of affirmations, half an hour of either weights. I've got a little gym here at home, so either half an hour of weights or half hour run. Mm-hmm. And by, by this stage, it's 6.30 or 7 in the morning, and I've already had that got that stuff done. Yep. And then I'm in the shower and, and getting breakfast and getting kids off to school and then coaching oh, clients is. and doing what I Getting do. Getting
1: into yeah. it. Yeah. Oh, I'd just love to talk about um, I guess diet and hydration. Do you think you can uh, win with water? Is that your mainstay? I know you enjoy a coffee, but how important's, you know, your diet?
0: Yeah, it looks su- super important. You mm. know, we are what we eat, mm. essentially, aren't we? Yeah. My diet's always been moderately good. I don't like fast food so I don't eat it. Um, you know, my, my partner and I will go out occasionally but generally it's all home-cooked food yeah i'm um, pretty lucky i, I eat meat yeah um you know i look my diet's not perfect over the last we're, we're in this 10-week cleanse at the moment so to speak so no sugar no complex carbs separating proteins and good carbs just doing a bit of a thing to you know kick myself back into shape where well, I did put on a few kilos through covid um <laughs> I don't know if anyone else relates oh, yeah, to that yeah. but no I do <laughs> um yeah but I did but no look I I think it's it's really important and you know the research shows us that you know as much whole food as possible you know yep. as, as little processed food as possible and I've just finished listening to a remarkable book by Johan Hari um, who's a great author and his latest book is called stolen focus mm-hmm. and it's talking about how our ability to pay attention and to focus has been deteriorating and he talks about lots of the reasons why and one of them is diet and food yep. and not enough water so yeah look water is um what is a big part of my life I, yep. I sit here and i don't know if i'm on camera or not but there's yes, always there a, you go good, love it Uh, It's always here and it's always getting drunk, so it means more trips to the loo. But that's yeah, no,
1: I'd prefer that, that's for sure and certain. Now, I'm just uh, circling back on the COVID situation. I'm wondering um, because I speak to a lot of people, you know, globally basically, and we talk about this in terms of the psychological impacts that this pandemic is having on people. How um, have you managed uh, through this process? Because I know that in where you are, Melbourne, or a little bit away from where you are, but. people are
0: struggling yeah people are struggling um personally i've been really lucky Mm. um you know i've been developing a very resilient mindset for quite a long time now so i was pretty well positioned in terms of my perspective and and my mindset for this also like i said to you before i think before we started the call i live on 300 acres so Mm -hmm. i've got land around me our, we were Victoria was the most locked down oh, place yeah. in the world for the yep. longest period of time. So, but but again, for me, I feel very lucky. I was able to bring all of my work online. In fact, my my work doubled year on year through COVID. Oh wow! Um, but my clients um, and and my kids and their friends, there was lots of lots of struggle, lots mm. of struggle. Mm. Um, so I, I'm you know I'm very aware of how much people struggled and i'm also aware of how how little i did struggle you know our our bubble was quite big Mm. got a blended family here at the farm there's two houses my brother and his wife and their little kids are next door my mum lives with us between me and my partner we've got four teenagers so the bubble was quite big yep you know and there's certain things that humans need that were that that humans were deprived of through lockdowns and You know, for example, we need connection. We're we're a social creature and isolation is not good for us. Even for introverts, you know, they still need some sort of connection, you know. Mm -hmm. Uh, We need to be in nature. Nature is, uh, as you know, super healthy for us, Um, you know, and we need to be able to move. Movement is really, really important for our health and well-being. And so people were restricted in these areas, which wasn't good. No. No.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for the feedback. Now, um, what type of person um, is attracted to the work that you're doing? And do you find that the people that you're working with, you're actually forging, I guess, almost longer-term uh, friendships, and and work, as opposed to just a standard working relationship.
0: Yeah, that does happen. Yeah, that does happen. Because mm-hmm. when I'm coaching, especially when I'm coaching leaders one to one. Um, you know it's it's personal development for professionals I'm yep. working with the functionality and the capabilities of you as a person, which then translates to you as a leader obviously that's what the organization is paying us to do is to mm-hmm. to help improve your leadership but also it's it's completely translatable to every relationship it's it, you know it helps you be a better partner it helps you be a better parent, you know a better sibling, a better community member the work that we do mm-hmm. so yes we forge we forge really lovely relationships it's pretty clear we don't we don't call each other up for a beer on the weekend but we do we're in me and my clients are in regular contact because a part of the service that i provide is weekly support and accountability so most of my one-to-one clients there's a dedicated coaching session each month but every monday they're getting a personal text from me g'day rick have you done what you said you were going to do and if you haven't what can i do to support you to take the actions that you said that you would take I think accountability is a really important part of any coaching, whether you're coaching basketball or leadership, um, you know, having that continual support and accountability is really important. So yeah, we, we get close, you know. Mm. Some of my clients, um, you know, there, there are some, of, some engagements where an organization will say, Gem, we've heard about your awesome culture workshops. Can you just come in and run a one day workshop? Mm-hmm. And of, of course I say, of course. Yes. yes. But I also <laughs> say to them, I also say to them, look, Yes, I'll come and do a one-day workshop for you, and you know, if you've got 20 people in the room, maybe one or two of them might actually take something from it and make some changes in the way they show up to work or in their life. Yep. But that's probably going to be it. The rest of them will be entertained and maybe even inspired, mm-hmm. and 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 might have penny drop moments and go, "Aha! Yeah, wow, that's awesome." But for real, sustainable change to occur, it takes um, it takes time it takes that support and accountability piece. Yep. You know, it takes consistency over a period of time. So the organizations that I'm really able to help make proper change culturally, you know, yep. that, that lasts beyond the work, mm-hmm. they usually engage me for a year.
1: Yeah, wonderful. Now, obviously, we've, you've just touched on this. It's, it's very much incremental uh, steps forward rather than wholesale transformative. Do you ever see transformations, very, like, very rapid ones?
0: yeah absolutely mm. the, they both exist so you can have the Tony Robbins light bulb moment yeah 100 percent yeah but and now this is just what I believe you know, <laughs> this is not this is not a, a, necessarily a truth mm. this is just my experience Yep. you can have the Tony Robbins light bulb moment and walk on hot coals and have a real kind of transformation of awareness and perspective and I know this because I've done it and mm. I've, I've done his stuff and I've walked the hot coals but if you don't back that up with creating habitual change then you will go back to your old neurology you will go back to your old beliefs you will regress back to the the way you were before so yes you can have transformational moments but then you also need to back that up with some consistent incremental change
1: there seems to be some obvious foundational work that one must do um, to you know get any improvement get any outcomes when they're working with you um, how does that come about in a situation when you're working with clients that have uh, people in your workshops that have been told that they have to be there? What What's your process for getting them away from that
0: mindset? Yeah, it's a great question. It's a really good question. Y- you can't you can't inspire change in anyone who doesn't want to change. Mm. Um, and yeah, hundred percent. So you've got the head of the HR department, or you've got the you know the head of people and culture, or you've got the even the CEO has said right i love this guy jem he's awesome let's get him in for a day and bring everyone along and everyone comes along because they've been told to to. so there's only so much you can do Mm. there's only so much you can do and um you know obviously i go in there and i'm and i speak to that you know there's no smokes and mirrors with the work i do i'm I'm completely authentic and straight up with the people in the room Mm -hmm. very clear and and even sometimes depending on the room and, and my gauge on the room i'll even speak to that and say look you're all here because you've told you have to be here. What I would love for you is that you leave this room at the end of today with something, just something that you didn't have before that will help make your life a little bit easier. That will help you bring some more flow and success to whatever it is that you care about. That's my intention for today. Yeah. You know, and then I'll ask the room to set an intention for themselves, etc. cetera. So it's, it's the in ownership. the framing. Yeah. Yeah. Take the ownership, you know, and, and, and there's, there's, tricks of the trade and facilitation that we, that we use to set up the, the framing of the day, the context of the day at the start mm-hmm. of the day that are best going to get the individuals to, to want to lean in. You know, if, if we start any workshop at the start of the day by touching or alluding to why they, what, why they might want to listen. Yeah. You know, so if yeah. you start bringing up things and, and everyone in the rooms quietly to themselves going, Oh wow, I really want to listen to this. Mm. Mm. you know then then we're starting to bring people in and then we can do some good work and you can nurture them from
1: there i i wonder you know given that you talked about a year being the general i guess engagement for you working with organizations um let's talk a little bit about workplace culture because i know uh, this is a long-term sort of commitment from both you and the people that are involved what what can you talk to in terms of workplace culture does it exist is it a a thing
0: at all oh look you know to 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 any degree of health it exists whether you like it or not you can Mm -hmm. have a toxic workplace workplace culture Um, you can have a a, a divided workplace culture you know you can have if you've got an organization large enough where there are teams that don't ever really have to have anything to do with each other then you could ask somebody in that organization what's it like to work at TAC or Vic Rhodes or mm. you know Worksafe or one of these big governmental size yeah, organizations. Yeah. What's it like to work there? You could have somebody say, "Oh, it's wonderful, it's great, the culture's awesome." <laughs> right? You could have someone from the, exactly the same organisation say, "It's terrible, it's toxic." What they're actually talking about is the culture in their immediate team. You and, know, uh, you yes. could be working. In, you could be working in a terrible team in a in a, in a, in a, in a what's said to be an amazing organisation. Yep. but if your if your team culture is terrible, your experience daily is terrible. Not great. Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's more
0: local. It's more. It is more local. So the smaller the organisation, um, obviously the easier it is to to design, create, and then curate um, the culture that you that you believe is the healthiest environment for people to thrive in the larger the organization, obviously, the harder it is to get a culture that runs through all the levels and across all the departments. Mm. But it is it is certainly possible to improve culture. And there's there's some strategies and techniques that I've designed to that end.
1: Yeah, great. loving this call. Thank you so very much, Jim. Now, I always love asking this particular question. Now, if you could say that you had a superpower, what is it? What is the one thing you do the best?
0: Seek to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not a superpower I was born with. This is something that I've been consciously cultivating. Mm-hmm. And through the process of a practice of self-acceptance and resolution with my, my past, which is a resolution with self. Yeah. Right? So by the, the more resolved you are with self, which is your relationship with your past, mm-hmm. the less it needs to be about you in any given interaction. Let me flip that, right? If I've got a lot of stuff that I'm unresolved with in my relationship with myself and my relationship with my past, I've got a lot of filters, I've got a lot of biases, I've got a lot of stuff, yep. static, noise yep. Yep. in between me and what you're actually trying to communicate to me. You know, so I'm going to distort the information that you're trying to share with me through all the lenses of my stuff and my past, right? Yep. So when you can um, resolve do the work with self, Mm -hmm. to come to a place of radical self-acceptance, then there's less noise. And the more clearly I can see you. So when we're sitting together, you feel like I get you. Um, And that ability in communication, I think is a bit of a superpower.
1: Yeah, that's wonderful feedback. Thank you. And um, given that you've touched on communication, how do we know if we're being our true, truest authentic self in communication with others particularly in the workplace, let's put it into that context. Mm. Or if we are using those filters, and can you tell?
0: Um, if The more aware we become, the more we can tell. Mm. Mm. The less aware we are, the less we can tell, because we're caught in ego, which is a, a necessary function of being human, is a sense of identity, so it's not a bad thing, it just is. and uh, but But ego will be driving the bus unless you're aware of it, pretty much all the time. It's all very time. reactionary. It's offensive, very defensive. You know, someone will criticize an idea of yours and you take it personally and get really upset. And the conversation goes south. And then in the end, that person doesn't want to collaborate with you anymore because it always gets awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, or you're listening to someone share their idea and you're already queuing up in your idea to, to mm-hmm. rebut or to yep. say what you think. Yep. This is all ego. You know? yep. And it and it gets very, very defensive. And if our sense of identity is attacked, we, we, we react, um, you know, very strongly. And our sense of identity is enmeshed into our ideology and our politic. Mm. So it's been, you know, watching, watching families fall apart over a, an idea like, should you be vaccinated or not?
1: Or not, yes. And, right. and families
0: have fallen apart over this. Why? Because their ideology as in, this is the way you should live, is enmeshed in their sense of identity. Mm. And their so their identity has been at war, challenged, and they've broken up over it. That's incredible.
1: Yeah, I've I've heard many, many stories. Is this where um the work of human behavioural profiling comes in?
0: Yes, certainly part of it. Um Mm -hmm. I look the ego thing the ego thing we all have an ego. Um and, and we and some of us have very healthy egos, a sense of self that is functional and um, and stands you in good stead to enjoy your life and do good work. Mm-hmm. Some people have very dysfunctional egos, you know, limiting beliefs about themselves or whatever it is. So we all have an ego, regardless of what your behavioral profile is. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: however, having said that, some of some of the behaviour pro- behavioral profiles, um, you know, some people who are very strongly one behavioral style as opposed to another, are way more assertive, uh, way more extrovert, way more me-centric. So their ego um, comes across as being much stronger. Yeah. M- more assertive, yeah, for Absolutely.
1: sure. Absolutely, thank you again. Now I'm wondering, um, what is your modus operandi given the nature of the world we're living in at the moment? Are you doing retreats? Are you just about to do more local stuff? What's happening?
0: Yeah, so the international retreats obviously got put on hold, mm-hmm. um, chomping at the bit to, to run them again because that that's the the sweetest spot of the work for me is the is the retreats because that's where people have the most profound um and life-defining experiences and also on a selfish level i get to travel to these beautiful places
1: of
0: course yeah i've got um i've got my second family in this village in the himalaya in north india where we where we run retreats and this family have been you know my second family since my late 20s so for you know, over 20 years now, um, and I miss them dearly. And we also inject um, some good economy into the little I village so. there. We've built, a, yep. we've built a school there. Yeah. Um, we've, we've implemented a, a rubbish collection and education program. We've put rubbish bins into the school and lobbying local government to come and collect the bins. And then when I bring clients there, we're injecting a little bit of economy in there. You know, My partner and I sponsor um, some of the kids to school and you know so it's a it's heart a lot of heart is in this village and we haven't been able like to legacy there for a couple work of years. to me that's definitely <laughs> <laughs> yeah there you go there yeah. you go you're gonna answer that one <laughs> yeah 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 so look I'm um, looking forward to doing those again um, you know in the first year of COVID I caught myself thinking something that wasn't gonna work Mm-hmm. I was sitting on the couch. I just got the job seeker approved so I, I could put baked beans on the table for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and I took a breath, a sigh of relief and went, okay, well, that's all right. We can pay the rent and put food on the table. We'll be okay. And I heard myself saying, I'll just ride this out. It'll be a few months. I'll ride it out. And then I'll engage with my work again mm-hmm. properly. Mm-hmm. And I heard myself saying, "That went, Jem, 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 that is oh, not going to work. <laughs> that thinking's <laughs> not going to work. No no, 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 no. <laughs> no, 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 no. You need to figure out how you can be relevant for the people who need you and want you now more than ever before. Yes. And so I, and I did that. So I did the, the typical pivot thing that became the kind of catch cry, but I did, I pivoted, uh, took all of my work online. Coincidentally, I had just designed and released my first online course before COVID came, literally two months before COVID came, we had launched this course and Rick, it was in personal resilience. Oh, Um, uh, So, and then COVID came. So you can imagine how helpful the course was then for people and organizations, clients of mine started running their people through this course. And we ended up having it endorsed by the NDS and it sits on their website as a resource. Um, One of the, one of the top clinical psychologists who worked in, in first response with Vic police and, you know, the the Metropolitan Fire Brigade Mm. Brigade and others. She did the course and stamped it with her, her critical approval. She loves it. So I felt, confident that the course was, you know, worth it. Um, so that course was the f- my first kind of entrance into online courses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then all of my work came online and, and there were benefits to it as well. I mean, look, it's not the same as being in the room with people, obviously, but there are benefits, you know, some of my governmental Departments that I'm coaching the the regional managers across in the past, mm-hmm. you know, getting the regional managers from across all of Victoria into the one space was logistically something that Painful. needed to be organised. Painful, mm. right, for them. Mm. But having them all just log into a Zoom call was like, wow, we We're can all be lucky, together. We're very
1: lucky, aren't we, that we have that technology like, to do it.
0: Yeah, very lucky. So there's certainly been some benefits. Um, my, my the cost of diesel into my Land Rover oh, <laughs> went yeah. down to almost nothing. Nothing.
1: Yep. Um, and the
0: amount of and the amount of clients that I can serve in a day doubled because I wasn't driving around to see everybody.
1: Yeah, the one-to-many approach. Now, um, are you working on any new, I guess, curriculum? Any new narratives that uh, you want to share with us?
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, the book, which uh, was launched in November last year, mm-hmm. uh, which is the art of conscious communication for thoughtful men. Um, is now starting to get reviews and and feedback which is wonderful it's doing good work and that's that's the most important thing for me we're in negotiations at the moment with a couple of publishers in the states so that's all very exciting Um, oh i'm allowed to say this It, it got selected to go into a hamper of gifts goodies that are going to all the oscar nominees in the next few weeks for the oscars wow delivered to their home so everyone who got nominated for an oscar including steven spielberg and will smith who are a couple of faves of mine that is incredible my book's gonna my book's gonna end up in their house in the next couple of weeks so i'm really crossing my fingers that they open the front cover and are intrigued enough to have a a read of the book absolutely um so that the book that's the book and now in two weeks i've booked in with with my film crew to shoot the online course uh, yeah. for, and it's it's a conscious communication for leaders course and mm-hmm. um, we're going to be shooting all of that and then that will get built and that'll be available at some point i guess in the next two or three months
1: you know what this has been a, a, a an amazing call full of uh, great communication i'd suggest and i just love it if you wouldn't mind if people want to reach out to you share with uh, the audience where they're going to find you
0: Yeah, it's pretty easy to find. So Jem Fuller, Mm. J-E-M-F-U-L-L-E-R, jemfuller.com is my website. You can access all of my resources there. You can also reach out to me personally there through the contact form. That Those emails come to me. Um, If you want to follow what I do, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook, all Jem Fuller.
1: Fantastic. And uh, with regard to the book, if people want to get their hands on that, is that accessible via your your website?
0: Through the website, yep. You can. There's a, a page for, for my books on the website. Mm-hmm. Or you can go onto Amazon if you want. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd prefer if you go through the website, then I don't have to give money to Amazon. <laughs> um, but do it whatever you want. Or in Australia, uh, if you go into your local bookshop, and ask them for it they've got it on their their list and they can order it through our distributor and and that would be nice also because it'll end up in more bookshops
1: yeah that's great look if you're on this call today and you've heard any of this you know full well that jim knows his stuff so if you want to reach out to him below this post you will find links back to jim and all of his amazing work his books and so on and so forth with all that being said jim incredible call thank you so very much for joining me on the show today
0: you're welcome rick thanks for
1: having me along